This is the DTV Digest, the podcast that brings you news and reviews of films which didn't make it to the cinema. And now, here's your host, Mike Parkin. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 74 of the DTV Digest. I'm Mike Parkin, your host, and joining me as usual in the cockpit, it's Richard Hawes. Hello everybody. So this episode is, it's a bit of a, it's sort of a lost episode basically. We recorded the bulk of this about a month ago, which is why most of the reviews are thinking, why are they doing this now, not a month ago? So we have reviews of um, the the final score with Pierce Brosnan, um, Dave Batista, and um, Ray Stevenson. We've also got Vengeance, directed by our friend Ross Boyask and starring um, Stu Bennett. Stu Bennett and um, Gary Daniels. And we've also got a review of Attrition, the latest from Steven Seagal. And as a bit of extra content, we're also going to be reviewing um, the Netherlands film Gangster. Um, did I say Netherlands? Or was it Belgium? I believe it's Belgium. I think it's Belgium, yeah. Although some of it does take place in the Netherlands. Anyway, yeah. we'll, be, we'll be getting on to that later on. So, yes, yeah, so the bulk of this... Um, we recorded just before I moved house, and unfortunately, it's taken this long to get around to sorting it out. And there was audio issues as well to go along with it. Anyway, you don't want to hear about that. You want to hear about all the news and reviews of films which didn't make it to the cinema and went straight to DVD, Blu-ray, and streaming media. Not only that, but we've also got a tiny review of the um, the Fighting Spirit Film Festival that uh, Richard and I attended way back in September. Anyway. Let's kick off with the DTV chart. Yes, indeed. As Mike said, it's time for the DTV chart. We've got eight entries this week. Uh, We're going to kick straight off with number eight, The Hurricane Heist. Such a long way that Rob Cohen has fallen, basically. You know, sort of gone are the days of stealth and uh, fast and furious and all the rest of it. Um, This one, it's, it's... too CGI heavy and unfortunately the CGI isn't particularly good and it's a shame because it, it you know, as I've said before it features two of my favourite actors um, Toby Kebbell and uh, Ryan Quanton it just does just misses the mark unfortunately at number 7 we've got Al Pacino in Hangman yeah I like this one um, also with Carl Urban and Saras Shahi um, this is you know, it's it's a decent sort of pot boiler, basically. It's definitely worth one watching. John Travolta's still hanging in at number six. Gotti. You know, the way we're doing this, I, I kind of want to hear the Top of the Pops music in the background. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yes, Gotti. Um, I, I still won't touch this, I don't think, for a long time. Well, you might touch number five, or maybe not. It's Bigfoot. This is the one that you said. Well, no, let, let, let's get this right. Dave, Dave Wayne, our, our colleague, said this is the worst um, animated, one of the worst, yeah. worst animated films he's seen, and you said, "Ha, that's because you haven't sat down to watch Bible World or whatever it was." Bible called. Town, yeah, Bible which, Town. I, which I've been watching this week. <laughs> yes, yeah, and it's reading your posts. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's uh, pretty. Cr- it, it you can't. It's barely call. You could barely call it an animated film. There's so little yeah. animation actually in it, but. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm amazed that Dave has seen this. I mean, I know he likes horror films, but, mm. uh, and, you know, uh, this is a, this is 100% Q 
kid animation. So uh, I'm, yeah. I'm curious what what attracted them to it. But the um, yeah, uh, I'm not really that interested. The cover's quite fun, so I'm not surprised that it's you know made some mm. sales. And, well, I think this is knocked out because of wasn't isn't there a film called Smallfoot? Ah, uh, yes. About, about some some um, yetis who don't believe that humans exist or something, and yeah, something. you know they're just a myth anyway. Yeah. Uh, that's it. Confusion. Mm. Confusion in the marketplace was good. Yes, that's for, right. Uh, some, some success for high flyers, I think. There, uh, number four, Future World. I'm uh, nominating this film for our next podcast. I'm, I'm really interested in seeing this. And number three, we're back to the creature features. It's a monster family. I'm I'm really sure this is a, a European sort of animated film that's been redubbed for for the English market. Yeah, as you were saying uh, last week, I think a bit mm. of a Hotel Transylvania kind of vibe. Exactly. From this. Yeah, without without the humour. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and you can also see it on Sky Cinema, which is where it uh, That's right, originated yeah. first. So, right, a new entry, big new entry at number two. It stars Bruce Willis, or does it? It's the bombing. I think we have to say that yes, it does at least feature Bruce Willis um, and Adrian you know, Brody. He, as well. And Adrian Brody. I think yeah, Adrian Brody like gets barely a mention in the trailer. Um, I have a stinking, a sneak, see, uh, sneaking suspicion. <laughs> it might be a stinking suspicion that um, it's mainly a Chinese cast, and Bruce is sort of wheeled in every now and again just to yell at them. Although, you know, from the trailer at least, it looks like he's in the cockpit of one of the planes at the end. Yeah, it does look like a, it does look a lot like Operation Chromite, and and the mm. which was from Korea and had Liam Neeson, uh, the. The two look like they've basically had the same idea, but mm. yeah, this one's kind of going one up and saying, right, we're going to put Bruce in the action with the with the star with the main ah. stars of the film uh, towards the end. So yeah, it's definitely a curiosity, I think, and with the with the marketing heavily pushing it to make it look like it's an American film rather than a Chinese film. Uh, it's no surprise, and the World War Two theme, mm. obviously, no surprise that it's uh, ranked so highly. Uh, I believe this is also called Airstrike in the States. I, th- I think, or in some markets, it's known as Airstrike. But we, yes. we, we've we've got the bombing. But there yeah, you. they've got like two or three different titles for this one mm-hmm. floating around. I think. And we're sticking with war for the number one second week in a row. Uh, in, in certain, from a China uh, from the Chinese experience, it's to the Polish experience uh, in uh, in World War Two. It's Hurricane. Yeah, it's it's interesting. This has kept Bruce out of the number one spot. Yeah. You know, um, especially since it's already been out for you know for a week or two. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's, it's uh, good to see. I mean, you know, we had mixed views on it, I know, but um, it's, it's 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 an important part of uh, World War Two. It needs to be told, I think. Yeah, I think this ranks at. I think it was only a couple of places between them. I think I wrote down yeah. position five, but I think it was fifteen this week. And yeah, I think so. so. I'm just going to have a quick, uh, quick look at the video chart on that because, yeah, there the, the wasn't much in it. So, yeah, 15 for Hurricane and 18 for the bombing. So, yeah, mm-hmm. there was a, a Nats chuff or whatever you'd say mm-hmm. between it. So, there you go. Uh, World War Two, big hit in the DTV stakes and uh, no surprises yeah. there. It'll be interesting to see what, what tops the chart next week. Now, 
Now, last week, Rich, we were down in Stratford, um, where we recorded episode 72. It was in the middle of the Fighting Spirit Film Festival, uh, where we saw the likes of uh, The Debt Collector on, on the big screen and Vengeance, which is going to be one of our films that we're going to be reviewing later. Mm-hmm. And we also saw a ton of short films all about martial arts. Absolutely. And some of them were rather good. Yeah, um, I mean, overall, I mean, how how many were there altogether? About twenty. There was supposed to be there were twenty one overall. Yeah. I think I saw twenty of them. Yeah. Uh, I think you probably saw the same amount because uh, mm. I think the last one was uh, just before the showing of Enter the Dragon, which unfortunately neither of us could make. Yeah, it's a shame. But um, yeah, it was very good. I mean, the the, the two that I saw, which were out of the competition, uh, one was directed by Jude Poyer. Who did the likes of um, um, of Gods and Warriors, which I thought was, he, you know, he handled the um, uh, fight choreography on that really well. Um, and I confess did, that he, one I missed, didn't I? Because I yeah, had to nip one, out. <laughs> he did, but it's it's available on uh, on YouTube, and yeah. we'll put a link on the um, the footnotes. It's called Drug Den Master, which I think is a brilliant pun. Um, and it's a great little short about some, you know, sort of like community policeman trying to move on a, um, a Glaswegian drug addict. Um, it is a good sort of little funny sort of vignette, shall we say. Uh, the other one was a sort of fan film. Um, I must confess, I forgot the title. Something about Cable. Cable Chronicles of Hope. That's the one. Cable Chronicles of Hope, um, which was directed by Harry. And George Kirby. Harry and George Kirby. Um, and I remember seeing this a year ago, just after seeing um, X-Men Apocalypse. And I remember sort of put a link to it on Facebook saying, you know, this is how an X-Men movie should look like, you know, because um, it was. It was straight out of the comic books. It was it was really well done. Um, OK, you know, the acting wasn't brilliant, but, um, you know, from the terms of. Uh, what was what was going on behind the camera and the special effects and everything? Um, considering apparently it only cost like three thousand pounds to make, I, I thought it was an absolutely outstanding job. Yeah, um, certainly delivered on the action, which was brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but of the um, the main body, uh, you know, the actual competition that we saw, um, I, th- I think it's fair to say. As, as it was last year, there, there was a real mix of, um, you know, this sort of quality of production that came across. Um, you know, some films concentrated too much on the fight choreography and forgot to actually develop the story side of things. Um, I think a good example of that one is that one called Thirsty, mm-hmm. which is just like really, really convoluted um, yeah, think... sort of backstory. And, um, but, you know, it had this sort of really long sort of quite elaborate sort of fight sequence in a park um, these two guys sort of fighting over a bottle of water and by that point uh, I was lost I was just frustrated yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think on retrospect I think it's something I'd need to you know give another chance uh, but sure. uh, yeah but yeah, at the time I was just really upset with that yeah. film <laughs> It needs it needs a bit more work. There was a couple of others. Uh, there was two documentaries that we saw. One was called Breathe. The other one was Shaolin Warrior Monk, uh, which focused on two very different sort of practitioners. One of them uh, was a guy called Richard Watson, who is one of the first proponents of judo and karate in the UK, um, but has spent the last sort of 46 years um, developing and being a proponent of the art of Tai Chi Kwan. Uh, sort of a form of Tai Chi. Um, that was very interesting. I, it actually almost lulled me to sleep because it was just so serene, you know, so that the music and everything, you know. Yeah, you were nodded off. <laughs> but, but I, I, 
you know, I really did just like go go to sleep. Um, it was meant as a compliment, not 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 um, you know, not not a criticism. Uh, the other one, Shaolin Warrior Monk, was about um, a guy called Harsh Verma, who was a professional footballer playing for AC Milan when an injury sent him on a quest uh, around the world. Um, ended up in the Shaolin Monastery, where he was accepted as the very first Indian Shaolin monk. And the film gives a sort of very, you know, in five minutes, it gives quite a sort of fascinating insight into his daily life and the sort of studies and martial art of Shaolin Kung Fu. Which is um, at the heart of what the Fighting Spirit Film Festival is all about. Absolutely. There is one, I, I, I just want to mention it. Um, it is the most tenuous in, in terms of, well, there's, there's two films which are very tenuously linked, you know, in terms of martial arts. One was... Um, Called Ro- no, um, Dead End, starring Brian Larkin. Mm-hmm. A very good film, but you know, only had a tiny, tiny bit of martial arts in it. In, in, and I'll forgive it because it was my favourite trope, which is the, um, the the old fight in a lift uh, scenario. Um, but it's more a sort of moody, but very flashily made um, short about a seasoned uh, government hitman. Uh, you know, give, being given one last job and going back to Hong Kong to, to complete it. Um, very good film. Very nicely um, narrated by Brian Larkin, using his, um, uh, you know, it's that sort of uh, Morgan Freeman quality sort of voice that he's got, you know, um, but with the Scottish accent. So, um, yeah, I think we both enjoyed that yeah, one. Um, yeah, it was really good. Yeah, very, yeah, very polished. Uh, but the other one was at the uh, was an Indian film called Abla, uh, also, which means weak. Mm-hmm. And it was mainly just a, you know, it's almost like a soap opera drama where this woman comes home and finds out her best friend had been assaulted and raped and uh, hospitalized. And she's having to put up with like one of her neighbors or one of her sort of uh, family's friends who has this sort of very backward chauvinistic view about, you know, oh, you shouldn't be wearing short skirts, you know, you're going to get raped and all the rest of it. Um, you know, I, I think even though the sort of the martial arts, which are sort of tacked on the end, was very short, it's it's one of those sort of messages. And, as, you know, especially in India, I mean, we've talked in the past about the sort of the rape culture in India, India and how, how prevalent and, and mainstream it is. So any, anything which sort of like, you know, tries to hold a mirror up to the hypocrisy of it. I, I'm, I'm all for. So, so I, I was actually quite moved by this little film, even though, you know, as a martial arts film, it didn't really do a lot. No, um, I yeah. think it was making it was making quite a, a it was making quite an important point. I think which was yeah. would have been particularly, uh, you know, uh, something that I think the organisers and that would have really sort of held on to that this is. Uh, not only an important message about women in mm. uh, in the culture, but also that that you know that about uh, a different kind of culture where the martial arts is being is being studied, and yeah. you know a very different kind of uh, Hindi martial arts kind of story than Warrior Savitri, which was just completely ridiculous. Yeah, well, I think it's that fighting spirit yeah. element of exactly. it, isn't it? Yeah. That's, that's what comes across. Absolutely, really. yeah, that's what I was trying yeah. to say. Yeah. Uh, a couple more I want to mention. One, one was uh, Steam, a sort of a steampunk little film um, starring uh, a 
guy from the Netherlands called Jackie Duns. Now, unfortunately, I, I, um, he did a little demo on the um, on the sort of blue carpet bit downstairs, which I missed. But somebody videoed it, and it's on the, it's on Facebook, and maybe we'll put a link to it. Um, is that bit where off the, the, Is that bit where he kicks the pad? Like that yeah, was really high so, up. Yeah, yeah I, I saw that. I was standing at the top of the stairwell and I was looking down mm. and I didn't know it was him at the time because yeah. we'd seen him wandering around that and I had no idea who he was. He's quite a small, you know, quite a he short is. guy. Yeah. Well, he is a short guy, it's fair to say. Mm. He looks like a kid, really. And yeah. uh, But man, he, you know, he got high <laughs> on that yeah. one. He's a really, oh, he's really yeah. very talented guy. I mean, the, the film Steam is notable um, for its props. Um one of them is a bit unfortunate. They they used basically a Nerf gun, which they painted um, gold to try and make it look like a super, you know, futuristic weapon. But the other one was this sort of like augmented arm powered by steam, which I thought was actually pretty cool. Um, and the whole story was, you know, his character doesn't speak all the way through. You know, it's, it's just his sort of mannerisms and expressions which get him through. And and the fight scene was actually pretty decent for that one. Yeah, it's different and it's novel. You know, it's not something we've really seen. Uh, before I don't, yeah. you know that kind of sort of steampunk kind of aesthetic and the fact that it comes from the Netherlands it just sort of makes it even more interesting the guys mm-hmm. who made it did a really nice uh, review video of their experience going to the festival yeah that was a really good little travelogue thing yeah. sort of thing you know and and the thing is I mean it's it's interesting for me because I've seen how the the festival's grown over the last three years um you know, and, and I, I'm just a punter, you know, a, a critic at best. Um, but, you know, these um, filmmakers, are, are, you know, are treating it like a real serious event. It's like, yeah, we've been selected for this, you know, uh, martial arts festival in London. You know, it's, it is it's becoming a bit of a big deal in the, in the you know, film terms. Excellent. Which is which is really cool. Um, I'd be very remiss if I didn't mention my friend Gino Kang. It was absolutely great to meet up with him at last. Um, we've been friends on the internet. And we've, I've interviewed him in the past um, since he sent me his, uh, one of his films called Fist to Fist. Um, and he's now doing these short films um, about Kid Fury, and he had the second instalment um, showing at the festival. Um, now, you know, it's the second instalment, so you're losing a bit of the narrative, and there are some dead spots in, in the film, you know, which comes down to the inexperience of the, the actors, basically, um, unfortunately. But I still found it quite inventive. Um, I still found it very well shot. And Gino is, a, a, you know, a pretty enigmatic character and, you know, a mature action star. Yeah, it's very quirky. Uh, and I've, I've, I thought, and he, I, you know, I, I have never really, I've never seen Fist of Fist, which is, as far mm. as I know, the only one of his films that has actually been released uh, in the UK. Uh, I the, think so, his, yeah. his first one he actually made way back in 2001. And I'm really keen to try and get hold of all, yeah. all of his films, really, because uh, he, he's... Clearly a very talented guy. Uh, I enjoyed the film, but I'm, but I'm very interested to sort of watch the first installment to see how mm. how the story is building. Uh, it's It was very, I'd say, very quirky. It's very, yeah. very quirky kind of story. And it is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, so three more that we really do need to mention. Um, I'm building up now. Okay, so these are my top three of the festival, basically. So uh, at number three, um, it's a film called Punch Me, which is directed by Jeannie Jo. Um, This is about a woman called Lorraine 
whose relationship with the current boyfriend is there's something lacking and after a bit of sort of aggressive posturing over dinner she finally sort of puts her finger on what it is and she wants him to punch her in the face <laughs> which is just like the most outlandish thing um and of course he refuses she, she's anticipated this and, and there's been on craigslist and invited three guys over to do the deed for him or for her i should say i mean there's, there's so many you know it's, it's, it's an interesting sort of sexual metaphor for you know sort of the whole sort of cuckolding sort of thing and you know i mean the sort of, just the sort of sleazy connotations of craigslist anyway um but, but this is, is a really funny short you know centered around one thing basically wasn't it um but it it had some great sort of visual ideas and there there was a particular moment with a fork which um had just about every male in the audience sort of clutching themselves um (laughs) yeah because it gets it gets really quite extreme and you don't quite expect it to go that hardcore (laughs) it's not a horror movie by any stretch of the imagination it is comedy but it does sort of get quite brutal it does and I'm, i'm really interested to see her previous short called tampoon which is about um, a woman whose tampon um, turns out to be sentient and falls in love with her and attacks her boyfriend. <laughs> so, you know, she's got um, a very sort of quirky outlook, I think. And, you know, hopefully, you know, we might even get her on the show at some point um, in the future. I also, uh, wanna, have... I also want to flag up the uh, the star, the, the, the male star of the, of the, of mm. the film, uh, Jonathan Eusebio. Uh, he's very well known as a fight coordinator and stunt coordinator on films such as uh, Deadpool 2 and John Wick. Mm. Um, really, really extraordinary talented guy. So he doesn't, you don't see him uh, in front of the camera as much as, as behind the camera. Yeah. So the, uh, it was uh, quite cool to uh, see him for once uh, Absol- doing his thing. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I must admit, I, I hadn't heard the name, but I remember sort of sitting next to you and you went, oh, it's, it's that guy, you know, straight away. So, which is really cool. Um, so, yeah, so hopefully, I mean, we've got a little uh, five minutes um, conversation with her and, and with um, Jackie Duns from Steam. Uh, I need to clean up the audio a bit, but hopefully we'll be able to sort of tack those on to the end of the um, uh, this particular episode. Okay, so number two is Tran and Nowak. Novak. Novak, Novak even. Um, this is a French entry uh, directed by a guy called Godfrey Rick Vert. I'm t- sorry, apologies. Um, this was a great little short. It had amazing humour, you know, some multifaceted humour. So we had like puns, we had slapstick, we had situational humour going on, you know, visual gags, the whole lot. And it's about these two government agents who've been um, told to try and track down some stolen artwork from, shall we say, a certain German aesthetic, um, uh, and you know all the all the gags that go with that. Basically, it, it, it was just a hell of a lot of fun. And this is actually the second film of the whole competition. Yeah, so it set a very high standard early it's on. It's a very very high standard, and you know it was only by the time, um, sort of punch me and the next film came along. That it really sort of knocked it off its um, sort of top spot. Yeah. But um, yeah, Absolutely it was loved it. awesome. Loads Absolutely of people awesome. in it. Uh, even uh, John Paul Lee yeah, turned John up. Paul Lee even turned yeah, up. John Paul Lee. Um, so, and, and the thing is, I think this had the most intricate uh, choreography of all of them because, you know, a lot of the times during the sort of fight scenes, you had two different fights going on at the same time. 
and excellent um, sound effects as well because they're fight, uh, some of them are fi- a couple of them are, f- are fighting in slippers and so when, when, the, when the slippers make contact they make like uh, rub- rubber ducky kind of uh, you know yeah. noise or squeezy toy noises <laughs> so, yeah so yeah these sort of two different fights going on and then they'd actually sort of switch over protagonists so you know they'll sort of fight the other person's um, opponents for a bit and then switch back it was, it was really really clever um, and you know hopefully we'll see more of these guys at some point um, someone we well let's, let's face it these guys won the competition um, this is a film called Chopsticks and funny enough when I was talking to Jeannie Jo um, that afternoon she, she told me said, you need to speak to the Chopsticks guys they're amazing and I was like, oh, okay, yeah, if we get a chance, you know. Then of course we saw it, and it's like, oh my god, what? <laughs> you know? it, um, so this is about a young woman who is sort of sibling rivalries going on, isn't there, between her and her brother? Yep. Um, her, her brother's sort of killed their dad, who was the, sort of the leader of the gang, um, and she's sort of been in mourning ever since. Uh, she doesn't want to kill anyone. Um, her brother's trying to use that against her. Um, again, you know, lots of visual humour, but really, really good fight scenes and really, really good um, editing and, you know, just flowing camera work all the way through. It's no surprise, really, to for me to when I when I found out that the director Aidan Sussex uh, is a basically a cameraman. Uh, funnily enough, is um, there was a film we talked about last week is coming out on DVD this week mm. called uh, Dead Ringer which he was a camera operator on, uh, coincidentally right. enough. But, uh, yeah, he's sort of been working uh, behind, you know, behind the scenes on either, on stuff like that while also, you know, developing his own projects. And, boy, did they put it, you know, put it all on screen with this. Uh, the the leads are fantastic. The, the comedy is brilliant. There's a great character called The Mighty Low, oh, uh, God, who's, yeah. uh, who's just <laughs> hilarious. Uh, and, um, yeah, the, the tone is, uh, is perfect, really. And some of the... The way it's filmed is just uh, there's some yeah. fantastic camera work, but there's also just amazing choreography. There's a sword fight which has got incredible yeah. moves. Absolutely, um, and it has also my favourite gag of the whole day, and that was um, when when she turns turns around to the guy who says, "Oh, stop feeding me your sort of, um, your fortune cookie bullshit." And it turns out he really has been reading sort of like the, the fortune cookies. <laughs> Just like a mess of them by the side of him. It's absolutely brilliant. There's lots um, of references to all the sort of lots of classic sort of martial arts yeah, films like Drunken absolutely. Master and that all in there. It, it's mm. all sort of, you know, Kill Bill, you know, anything like that. It's all sort of, uh, it's a fantastic mix. It's 22 minutes uh, and uh, mm. I really hope it does get become available on, on the internet at some point because uh, yeah. it, it's, it's well, as, you know, as we mentioned at the moment, because all these films are in um, competition, you know, um, they won't be on sort of Vimeo or, or YouTube just yet. But we will put some trailers up uh, as we as we find them, um, or any behind the scenes stuff, just to sort of you know give you a flavour of uh, what's going on, and just point out that next year, you know, this is going to be an even bigger festival, hopefully. Um, so you know, look out for the Fighting Spirit Festival. They, they do an awesome job. Um, they had two new releases, two, two premieres on the day. Two, two old films sort of getting a, a, a relook. One was uh, the remastered version of Enter the Dragon, which unfortunately we missed because it was sort of late on the Saturday night, and we had to go to our respective towns. Um, and the um, the charity event was um, uh, Karate Kid Two. 
which again, I don't suppose we're very interested in. We were actually recording our own podcast at the time. But the main kickoff was um, the Deck Collector, which was superb. And uh, our sort of first review, which we're going to talk about shortly, uh, was Vengeance, starring Stu Bennett and uh, Gary Daniels. So we'll be talking about that very shortly. It's time for the Coming Soon section, and this week we've got three trailers to look at, just three. Um, but we're going to kick off with a film called The Super. Um, now, there's a, there's a kind of a thing now. This is a horror film, and it's a thing we always now see in the horror films, Rich. Um, I'm, sure you've t- I'm sure you've checked out the trailer. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, what's it it, it's the bit where you always see someone sort of holding on, you know, on the floor, holding onto a door frame, and then suddenly being yanked away. <laughs> you know, it, it is now a very common trope that happens in just about every horror film or every horror trailer you can think of. Um, but having said that, I like the look of this. Uh, it co-stars uh, Val Kilner, wearing a bit of old, old, oldie person. Makeup. Is he um, though? I wasn't sure. <laughs> I was like, wow, is he really that old and wrinkly now? Because he's pretty much unrecognisable. He is, yeah. Um, but he he looks like to be sort of a mean, shifty bad guy. Um, sort of the super the supervisor of this um, old building. Uh, a new guy who's like an ex cop has come in um, also to act as a supervisor. Um, and yeah, sort of typical creepy shenanigans ensue. I, I do like the look of it. Um, it is, you know, uh, very well made by the looks of it, very, very well shot. I like the fact that Val Kilmer seems to be, um, you know, making a bit of an effort, which is which is always good to see. So yeah, I, I probably will be checking this out at some point. Yeah, we've seen a lot of sort of movies with these kind of, you know apartment buildings that have Mm. got spooky goings on or whatever in and i thought it was quite nice on the trailer is that you're not quite sure is it a human threat or is it a supernatural threat so yeah uh, that sort of piqued my interest and and, uh you know maybe the whole uh, i mean it seemed to indicate that it was the val kilmer character but maybe that's a you know Mm -hmm. yeah red herring red herring that's the term i'm looking for so yeah (laughs) very good yeah piqued my curiosity definitely Uh, okay, the second one is a film called Big Kill, which turns out to be the name of a town somewhere in the Wild West. Uh, this is about a trio of guys, two of them brothers, who um, are traveling to this town. One of them finds out that his brother has gone missing when he gets there. He's supposed to be running a casino or a brothel or something. Um, and there's some very sort of dodgy people there, um, including Lou Diamond Phillips. In a great suit. Um, yeah, in a great suit. So, um, you know, compared the, you know, comparing this to that Lonesome Dove one we were talking earlier, you know, th- this has got a bit more going for it. Even so, there are still scenes which look incredibly flat, like when Danny Trejo turns up at the beginning, you know. You know it's a cameo. <laughs> it, yeah, I know, but it just looks like it doesn't look real. You know, it, it, I... I, I, I have no belief in what I'm watching is set in the old West. It just looks, looks like a bunch of guys hanging outside some war, war, war memorial, you know, like an old sort of fort or something. Um, it, it just doesn't grab me at all, but there's other bits in there which actually do look pretty decent. So, you know, maybe I'll just have to sort of bite the bullet on this one and check it out. 
Yeah, I'm not. I'd say I, I think it looks a, a bit ropey. Uh, it was funny we were talking. I think last week. So, oh, Jason Patrick, what happened to him? And uh, oh, here, yeah. here he is again. <laughs> two two uh, films in a row. Two films also, in two weeks. And he actually, his character in this looks pretty cool. He's like he's a priest who's clearly a, a bad guy. Mm. Uh, and uh, Michael Parry's in there as well. So. Yeah, he turns up a little bit. So, yeah, this has got a bit more going for it than Lonesome Dove, that's for sure. Okay, so finally we have the Marine 6 Close Quarters. Um, have we got a date for this yet? Is it? I mean, we, we know it's coming out in the States in November. Yeah, not a, uh, not a UK, UK release date, yes, as far right. as I'm aware. Mm. Hopefully it's it won't be too weird. long. It's not, uh, but uh, yeah, it's uh, James Nunn again, uh, having directed uh, the Marine Five. Uh, WWE uh, clearly happy with his work and uh, signed him up for, uh, straight away to re uh, return to, to. So he's, but I think he's the only director to have made more than three. one. Yeah, he's done three, I think, isn't he? Uh, well, he only did the last he did, one. He did and, the last and, one. And, and, one. and this okay. one brings Shawn Michaels into the mix. Yeah, he's been, he's been retired from WWE for quite a while, so. Yeah, about time he sort of dug him out. I I like the Miz as a um as a, as an action star. I think he sort of fits this role very well. Um, I'm one of the few people who seems to have actually liked Marine Five. Um, you know, it, the series has seemed to sort of get a bit cheap. Um, you know, I think the last one was just set more or less inside a multi-story car park for for ninety percent of the time. Which I was disappointed uh, by because I'd loved uh, I loved James Nunn's work on uh, mm. Green Street Three and uh, Eliminators, both with Scott Atkins. Yeah, uh, this one is shot again in the UK, uh, so that's quite exciting. And mm. we've got Martin Ford, who's even on the cover. So yeah. I'm, uh, you know, I'm I'm really I'm really uh, eager to check this out. What I thought was funny was that this is one of those typical WWE kind of tr- movie trailers where it's just mm. like a 30 second TV spot kind of thing where yeah. they really don't want to make a proper full trailer and they just want to say it's going to go on a DVD. Yeah, <laughs> That's it. on DVD. It's the Miz. It's, it's, you know, Shawn Michaels and Becky Lynch. You don't need to know uh, the plot. Just buy it. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, um, but I'm certainly interested. Um, I, you know, we, I do I do like James Nunn's work, uh, as, as you mentioned, uh, and I do like The Miz as, you know, he's one of a very small handful of the WWE's guys who actually, you know, is comfortable in front of the camera. You know, uh, we've had, um, oh, God, what's his name? The one with all the tattoos. Randy Orton. Oh, yeah. Around, um, in... Um, Condemned to the contempt to and another one. Was, he did the twelve rounds, 12 rounds two two, as well. Yeah. And he can't, you know. He, I mean, John Cena has taken a lot of, you know, he's taken a long number of films for John Cena to actually find his persona on screen. Um, yeah, and, he, and he's, he's found that he's sort of more adept at comedy than he is, at, um, you know, the action stuff. Which is really cool, actually. Um, but the Miz is really good in it. Um, Stuart Copeland, um, The Edge, I, I think he's pretty good. And um, that's about it. Oh, and Batista, of course. You know, we, we love Batista. But um, yeah, very, very um, few and far between the ones that actually sort of do any do any well out of this. Anyway, that is our um, quick roundup of the coming soons. We'll put the trailers up in the um, in the footnotes below the. Uh, below this so um check them out our first review this week is a vengeance also known in the states as i am vengeance i believe 
Um, yeah, so this is actually, you know, um, so just putting this out there for um, transparency. Um, this is directed by a friend of mine, uh, Ross Byask, this guy I've known for a while. Ever since I reviewed one of his early films called uh, Ten Dead Men, uh, also did um, covered Warrior S, which I really liked, even though it's a very flawed film. Um, but this is his first real biggie, and you know, it's definitely opened a lot of doors for him. This stars Stu Bennett as a character called John Gold. He is an ex special forces guy who just happens to ring his ring up his best mate on the day he's been murdered. Um, not only him, but also his parents. Uh, and he's been murdered by a group of military guys led by Gary Daniels. Gary Daniels, who um, has decided to turn that sleepy little sort of country village into his own sort of drug den where he's um, sort of um, making meth and all the rest of it. So obviously John Gold travels the town and tries to find out what the hell's happened and ruffles a few feathers when he does so. Um, okay, so this was the big premiere at the um, Fighting Spirit Festival. Do you think it went, Rich? I think it went really well. The uh, the film is a big step up for Ross, who's Ten Dead Men. I had you know some issues with, uh, but I, I really like Ross uh, as you know as an enthusiastic uh, filmmaker and uh, action film fanatic. So this is kind of him reaching the point that you know it's take you know I was kind of wanting him to get to uh, around. Mm. This is basically the film Ten Dead Men should have been, uh, really. Uh, but it's, it's like say it's taken about 10 years to, to get there. It's still on the low budget side, but it's got a lot of uh, goodwill and, and good quality to it. The uh, Stu Bennett is, un, un, as, as is often the case uh, in action movies, an untested uh, action lead. So he's you know pretty new to this, uh, and and it, and it is evident. He, you know he's he's not he's not great. For me, uh, I mean, if you're coming to this as a, a fan of the wrestling and that, you might see it, see it quite differently. But uh, the important thing is with movies like this, uh, when the lead is not experienced, is to put some really good people around them. And they've definitely got that right because, uh, you know, Gary Daniels is, is a fantastic uh, uh, nemesis. Uh, and we've also got, you know, some... Yeah. Some brilliant unknown uh, unknowns uh, uh, in uh, support uh, offering uh, romantic uh, love interests and uh, and uh, uh, who else have we got? The oh, I've got Brian, Brian uh, Larkin in Brian there Larkin, well. yeah, Brian so, Larkin's brilliant, yeah. and mm-hmm. also uh, the oh, what was his name? Uh, hang on a minute. The oh, Keith Allen. So mm, Keith yeah, Allen lends a bit. Of, yeah, uh, he had, he adds a bit of uh, extra credibility to it all. You know, Ross knows what he's doing. He knows that he's uh, tipping his hat to, to all these movies. And, you know, the people who are watching it know there's jokes, uh, you know, all about it. The the whole film turns into Commando at the end, which is Ross's favourite mm. movie. The the guy arrives back in town to investigate the death of his friend. You know, it's, it's a kind of a trope that's been used in everything from Get Carter to Fire Down Below. Uh, you know, he... Well, the thing with him, you know, the fact that he he calls him on the day that he's, you know, he actually listens to the murder. I think is, is you know, of his parents. And I, I was reminded of um, oh, what's it, the perfect weapon? You know, the um, Jeff. Yeah, Jeff Speedman. 
Jeff Sweekland movie, you know, um, which again I know is a favourite of, uh, of Ross's. You know, I'm not saying that he's he's just sort of, he's done a Tarantino and just cherry picked his favourite moments from other films. Um, he, you know, the thing about Ross is, um, as you say, he he is a big sort of action movie fan, and he knows which he knows which tropes and cliches to um, honour and which ones to take the piss out of. You know, so for example, as you say, you got the um, the Rambo slash Commando bit where he's um, kitting up, you know, yeah. sort of the knife and all the rest of it, you know, the, the vest. And, and at the same time, the whole assault on the compound of the, well, yeah, <laughs> of, the exactly, of the yeah. villain, and Brian but, Larkin is even basically, uh, uh, oh God, what's his name? Who's the, the, who? Bill, Bill Duke? Oh, oh no, um, the other guy. Um, yeah, the, the Australian. Australian. One. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that guy. Um, the bad guy, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm terrible. Um, Vernon Wells. Vernon Wells. Vernon That's Wells. Right, he's yeah. basically his character uh, and stuff. You know, he's yeah. typically demented and everything. He, uh, the, one of the best bits of the movie is is just it's just a, a quick gag where the the ringtone of Brian Larkin's mobile phone is one of his victims screaming, which is, <laughs> yeah. a, which is a horrible horrible thing to think about, but it, but it is quite darkly humorous. <laughs> There's it's uh, another bit. As I said, he likes he, he knows which ones to take the piss out of. There's a bit where um, sort of John Gold squaring up against one of the bad guys and he pulls a knife out and he goes, "Let's dance!" and he just laughs at him and goes, "Really?" You know, it's like, did you really just say that? Is this like, yeah? I just thought it was really cool. It's always good because... to see a British action hero who's actually British. You know, I, I don't, mm. I'm, I'm really keen on that. You know, Eliminators would have been a great movie. Uh, it was a good movie, but I think it would have been mm. even better if, if Scott Atkins had played it as English. Luckily, Stu Bennett, who was in that movie, he was mm. he was using his uh, natural voice, and uh, and he does so again here, which is great. It lends, you know, it grounds the film, I think. And, yeah. um, you know, I, th- I think it's we want to see loads more films like this. We've said it before with any sort of British action movies uh, that, you know, the more the merrier as far as we're concerned. Absolutely. And we're definitely going to get more of this because um, Ross has announced uh, he's just cast um, Vengeance 2. Yeah. And he's got a pretty damn decent um, sort of lead for the, for the villain as well. So, yeah, so uh, look out for Vinnie Jones squaring up against Stu Bennett next year. Uh, I think that's going to be um, pretty impressive, actually. There are three supporting actors in this that I just want to uh, mm. give a quick mention to. The first is the, the character of Keith, who's uh, basically a drug addict. Mm. Uh, the sort of, it's unclear, but basically the boyfriend of uh, of a girl who ends up being, uh, she's sort of Ray Dawn Chong to, uh, yeah. to, uh, to John Gold's, you know, uh, uh, John Matrix uh, or yeah, whatever right, and yeah. uh, he, he played by a guy called Sebastian Knapp and it, I, I just thought it was a fantastic performance you know really convincing mm. uh, really funny uh, uh, that you know out of, out of everyone in the whole movie even I, I thought he stuck with me most and, but the the two main uh, female characters one is say this um, I can't remember the name of the actress uh, but mm. she's She's sort of ditzy, and but she's a she's like a, a she's a heroin addict or whatever the drug is that they're using uh, in the movie. But she's really funny and you, you know human, you know human, uh, very interesting. And I thought the love interest was was good as well. Yeah, there's a it's a it's a really good scene in the pub as well, um, which I did ask Ross about because originally it was going to sort of turn into a huge fight outside the pub you know um but he manages you know somehow he's able to sort of um 
hold back and 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 sort of keep the action sort of a bit further down the line. But um, but yeah, you know, you get this great sort of like squaring off moment. You know, that it, it sort of um, allows um, Gary Daniels' character to, you know, show off his authority, basically, you know, and the way he's able to control his men and get them to sort of back down and sort of rein them in a bit. Well, that's the thing. I mean, really, as soon as John Gold arrives in town, he's found the people he was looking for. Oh, yeah. And then yeah. the rest of the movie sort of dances around it uh, to, to, to sort of get them together at the end. Uh, seeing Gary Daniels in another British film is really great. I mean, uh, the uh, the well, Arap- just... Arapai Aya film he did, uh, Hitman in London, was you know pretty dreadful, de- pretty dreadful wasn't it, really? It's so it's nice to see him you know, in a good quality movie, give, giving a great performance and, you know, showing off some excellent moves. Yeah, you, see, you, can still, you can still do a decent sort of spin kick, that's for sure. Um, yeah, so if you haven't checked this out yet, it's out on VOD at the moment. Um, I, I think it's getting a DVD release sort of later in the year. But you, you can find it on iTunes, Amazon, all the rest of it. Um, it's it's a great little movie. You really should check it out. Um, support a bit of um, British action with vengeance. So how are we going to score this, Rich? I am going to score this 7 out of 10. Yep, I think I'm going to go... Yeah, I'm going to have to go the same, I think. Definitely a 7 out of 10. Let's, let's keep it real. <laughs> so two sevens for vengeance. Check it out. Our second film this week is Final Score, starring Dave Bautista, Ray Stevenson, and a little bit of Pierce Brosnan as well. Now, Rich, there's a bit of a running theme in uh, this week's films, uh, in that all the main characters are ex-military who sort of like stumble into um, some nefarious goings on. Uh, In this one, uh, Dave Bautista is um, a Marine who's um, travelled to England to kind of check in on the family of his dead friend, who he sort of still blames for his his death. Um, He takes the daughter out for a um, a football match at West Ham. um, And while he's there, in, in pure early John McClane style, he kind of stumbles on this um, this plot which is going on behind the scenes where some Eastern European guys have raided the, um, the stadium searching for um, Pierce Brosnan's character, Dimitri, um, who's had plastic surgery and is hiding somewhere in the crowd. Um, this is directed by uh, Scott Mann, who did the brilliant um, the tournament, and the pretty decent but not quite as good um, the uh, heist movie a couple of years ago, which also had Batista in it. Uh, this is probably about a hundred times better than the heist because the action is just solid all the way through. That's for sure. Um, I, I absolutely love this. Um, how about yourself? Yes, indeed. Uh, ever, ever since the, uh, you know, right from the opening, uh, you know, opening bars of uh, two tribes uh, yeah. to, to the, you know, uh, to the high impact opening credits uh, played against it, I was just like, "Yes, here we are. We're <laughs> this is going to be great." Uh, yeah. And uh, you know, it's fantastically shot. Um, but Batista's as you know, huge and imposing and as charming uh, as ever. Uh, you know, he's mm. such a great presence. Uh, you know, really engaging. Um, this is, I think, fair to say it's been called. You know, they call it Die Hard in a 
in a football stadium, but yeah. basically it's a complete you know copy uh, for the most part of Sudden Death, uh, which was Die Hard in an ice ring, uh, ice rink with um, a soccer game. With a, you went to John Claude Van Damme and, and uh, Powers Booth. Yeah, Powers Booth's completely stealing that movie, uh, mm. and the. So in that move, in that film, the, there's a, a, a you know a major hockey game going on, uh, and the crowd are you know oblivious to sh- uh, shenanigans that are happening with the with the terrorists. And the same is true here, but it's even more ridiculous because there are you know he- it's an open top stadium, mm-hmm. uh, and the there are helicopters flying around and guns and motorbikes <laughs> uh, in yeah. riding the motorbike and jumping off roofs mm. and stuff and people don't bat an eyelid because they're so absorbed well, by the game yeah well that's the thing isn't it I mean you know a few people have commented on this about the sort of how, how much um, leeway do you give the film in in terms of you know suspension of disbelief um, you know because as you say there's this great little chase sequence of motorbikes going across the roof of the um, so helicopters flying around but helicopters that, you know that's probably just par for the course for any sort of football match um, somebody else also mentioned helicopters the, with guns firing out the <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah but there were silences that had silences on the, on the weapons how much you notice but considering the, the amount of noise the stadium must put out you know I, I, I don't know I'm, I'm willing to sort of um, to give it a lie on that one. Oh, me the, too. I mean, it's just it's a lot of fun. You're not supposed to take yeah, it seriously. <laughs> the other thing somebody mentioned as well um, in, in their review was was sort of the lack of police presence, and I'm like, I looked at it, I thought that's probably about right. You know, for, for a British football match, there probably would be about an extra, you know, sort of fifty officers, I suppose. But um, yeah, we, we we don't tend to have a lot of. <laughs> Yeah. Well, comebacks, you know, you know uh, it's uh, austerity. Well, but, and, yeah. Yeah. But, um, but no, um, Batista is absolutely superb in this. Um, you know, I, I just love that. There's, um, there's an expression called, uh, was it, fear, was it survive, fear of survival or survival of fear, where, you know, you're, you're and the other one is sort of left of bang. Have you come across that expression? Uh, no, I haven't. Right. It's it's kind of like it's a certain situational awareness that you know they, they try and develop with, with with soldiers and things, you know, to be aware of their environment and just sort of look for those little elements which seem out of place. You know, what, what's out of place in a, in a football ground? You know, um, that sort of thing. You know, is it a guy with like um, Eastern European? gang tattoos going through a, a security door, you know, that sort of thing, um, which, which he cons onto and just sort of starts realising there's something going on. Um, but, yeah, there's just so many nice bits. Again, my favourite trope, as people will not be aware, is the old fight at a lift. And, I, you know, we get a damn good one here um, as um, Batista ends up fighting this guy and trying not to shoot um, a sort of an innocent bystander called Faisal, who um, is sort of one of the stewards and is helping him out. Again, you know, that Ray, Ray John character that we talked about earlier um, is, is this time played by a guy called Amit Shah. Played for laughs, but, um, yeah, he, he gets a very sort of telling moment at the end, doesn't he? He's sort of, um, you know, playing up to people's fears sort of thing. He also reminded me of uh, Morris Chestnut's uh, sidekick character in Under Siege 2 as well. So he's like a... Oh, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's a fair, you know, it's a typical kind of 
characters they've got. I also loved seeing uh, Martin Ford uh, uh, again. Yeah. Uh, uh, he turns up at the beginning, and, and he, he's he's in actually a fair amount of the film. So he's yeah. he's clear, you know, he's getting loads of roles now. I just sort of seeing him everywhere since uh, yeah, Undis- we, uh, since just, Boyka Undisputed Four. Yeah, well, like we just mentioned, you know, we just mentioned the Marine Six. So, you mm-hmm. know, he's on the cover of that. The thing the thing about the guy is, um, you know, how you get like action figures. You know, based on films, or, oh, yeah. and, and the characters always look, you know, the, the mus- muscles are always out of proportion. Yeah, this is how, this is that guy. <laughs> he, he, yeah, they're all modelled on him. You know, his shoulders are just ridiculous. You know, absolutely massive. Nope. Um, you know, he he is just so incredibly built, and um, he, you know, he is a great great screen presence as well. And we also get the. Um... Because this is a die-hardy die kind of movie, there's always, you know, any kind of terrorist gathering or whatever, there's always one female character yeah. in there, and that's his girlfriend, and, and they've yeah. got some quite cool cool scenes together, and, you know, uh, think when, you know, things are panning out, that kind of uh, has a big impact on uh, how the story's playing out with certain characters, so yeah, I really like that to it. Ray Stevens, I mean... Pierce Brosnan is the one getting top credited next to Dave Bautista, and he's barely in it. Uh, he really yeah. is. He really isn't in it very much at all. Uh, but Ray Stevenson is there, front and centre. He's the main bad guy, and he's really good. And uh, mm. he, sh- he should. His name should be up there on the poster. Absolutely. Um, and, and you know, the film kicks off by by making us know just how bad this guy is. You know, how bad is this bad guy? Very bad. You do not want to mess with him. <laughs> Um, what was that country kind of they're talking about? It's like it was making me think of the yeah. Marvel films. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it is. So it's, it's, it's like the Sokovia yeah. Accords or something. It is. It's something very similar to that. Yeah. Um, there is there is one uh, other other scene which um, you know is incredibly satisfying to see. So there's this uh, you know the, the daughter called Danny um, sneaks off in the middle of the game to meet her boyfriend, which uh, causes a lot of problems. And you know we're on the side of Danny's mum and and Dave Batista in the fact that this guy's a little shit basically um, and we can't wait for something to happen and of course you know he shows his true colours and, and um, tries to get a bit sort of all gropey and you know I I'd originally envisaged um, Batista coming across it and, and giving a good slap but even better is the fact that Danny knows that how to handle herself as well and kicks the shit out of him <laughs> which I just thought yeah go for it I absolutely loved that little moment well the funny thing is now we're talking about it and, and when we were talking about Faisal and how that brought to mind the, more, uh, the Under Siege 2 character to me that what she does is under siege too as well. Catherine Heigl yeah. does exactly the same thing, basically. To um, we're not not to a, a potential, uh, you know, not to a boyfriend character, but she, you know, has been shown a thing or two uh, yeah, uh, right. by her uncle, and uh, and then she, um, you know, um, uses that later in the movie. So yeah, this is a, a, a you know a, a bit like vengeance, really. You know, it's a it's kind of a love letter, sort of knowing nod to to all these films that, that the guys have grown up watching and, absolutely yeah. and you know we're along for the ride and we all you know have a great time there's another sort of interesting thing i don't know how much of this annoyed you or if you liked it um but all throughout the film you know we, we were watching a um football match going on in the stadium it's a big i think it's like the semi-final of the european cup or something like this and so you've got this foreign sokovia team whatever they're called playing the west ham and throughout the film, we're listening to the commentary by, you know, Sky Sports or whoever, um, 
all all the way through and it's it acts as like a commentary on the film at the same time you know this yeah. it, um it plays both ways yeah uh it was at times it's a very on the nose but i i you know i i didn't mind it i must admit yeah no i think it was absolutely fine that there is a you know a convention with some things like this but it it worked uh it all it just all the whole package i think it's just worked really well it's uh this uh sky cinema film so it was basically put into some uh put into a few cinema screens to sort of raise the profile but it on yeah. the same day that it hit the uh sky cinema channel and now tv which uh, mm. we saw it and uh, the you know it's so, it's so good and i'm so glad that uh, scott mann has you know because he hasn't made that many films uh, the, no. the, he's finally made a big movie that people are going to notice absolutely um and you know this it's it's interesting you know this is I'm I'm sure this is going to be a success for Sky Cinema. Is it Sky Cinema? Sky Box Office? Yeah, Sky Cinema. Um, you know, uh, a lot, lot of people are trying to sort of follow this mould now, like like Netflix and Prime, you know, where they're sort of developing their own stuff or, you buying know, they're, 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 they're buying it for their own thing. Um, you know, Netflix hasn't had much success or, you know, critical success at least. Um, I'm hoping that's going to change with um, Apostle, directed by Gareth Evans um, next month, starring Dan Stevens. It looks incredible. Um, but, yeah, th- I'm sure this is going to be a big crowd pleaser for, for Sky, that's for sure. And, you know, hopefully um, Batista and uh, Scott Mann will get to work again, yeah. together again. I mean, yeah, <laughs> obviously again. they're going to work again. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, hopefully they get a- another chance to, um, you know, continue their partnership, that's for sure. Scores out of 10. 8 out of 10 for me. Yeah, it's a definite 8 out of 10. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it's it's a shameless um, uh, diehard blueprint, um, e- even down to the um, chucking the guy on, you know, out the window with, with a note tied to him, you know, to get the attention oh, of yeah, the police. Yeah. Well, um, even with the sudden with the sudden death stuff, the you know the fight in the kitchen, you know, yeah. with the with the with the uh, chip pan and stuff, it yeah. was horrible. Was oh like really, Christ! Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Were, so, so this on. is what I was going to mention. I, I almost forgot. You see, the, the things you see in the kitchen. I mean, I love kitchen fights almost as much as I love a good elevator fight because there's so much there to sort of smash around. You know, kitchens, elevators, bathrooms. Any anyone who's seen um, the latest uh, Mission Impossible film will know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, but the kitchen fight, you know, you got all these hot surfaces, you got boiling oil, all the rest of it. Um, everything you see happening in there usually happens to bad guys, and there's poor old Dave Batista having this stuff happen to him, you know, yeah. which is like excruciating. It's, yeah. it's it's absolutely brilliant, you know. Um, it was it was a good little twist, uh, and uh, you know, um, the fact they sort of went that far, uh, I just thought was great. So you know, obviously. You know, Batista isn't sort of the best looking guy, so they obviously went. He he, he can afford to lose a bit of skin. He's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was thinking, you know, with because um, sudden death, one of the the most memorable film things about that movie is Jean Claude Van Damme's fight with the mascot. Uh, yeah. You know, it's probably the most memorable fight scene in, in the movie. And you know, for this movie to try and do something similar. In a, in a, in you know doing another kitchen fight in another stadium you know die hardy movie was was pretty was pretty risky but I think you know they did enough that was novel and different and interesting to make that a really great fight scene like you say with the with punishing the hero a lot more than you might expect 
Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, eight of ten, eight out of ten for the final score. Our final review this week is Attrition. Uh, Steven Seagal plays Axe, an ex-Special Forces Wing Chun Kung Fu master, once known as the Mongkok Demon Slayer, now working as a doctor in the lawless Burmese border town of Mong La. Having found peace for the suffering he caused in his past, Axe finds himself experiencing bizarre dreams as destiny draws him back to a world of brutal violence when a local man calls upon his help to save his supernaturally gifted daughter from a dangerous ganglord unable to walk in daylight. Mike? What did you think? What did I think? Um, okay, let's let's start off with some positives. Uh, this is definitely the best-looking Steven Seagal film you're likely to come across in the last 12 years. Um, more so. Probably more, even more than that. I've been yeah, generous to some of his older ones. Um, it, it still has some of the same problems as, as some of his films. But, you know, the the amount of double work, the amount of, uh, you know, people dubbing his lines for him and all that, he's totally invested in this film. That is 100 percent sure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's front and center. He's not hiding behind sort of co-stars or anything or voiceovers. It's it's it's, it's all him on the screen. Um, but, there, you know, there, there are some very strange elements to this film. Um, it, it's It's almost like. I don't know. It's almost like he had three different scripts and just like chopped them about and and put the bit the bits he wanted on the screen as much as he could. Well, I think that's probably fair to say. The um, <laughs> I mean, cards on the table. I think it's quite obvious to know that you know I love this film uh, mm. and uh, you know I was particularly generous with his uh, well the last film we reviewed, which was. Uh, uh, contract to kill, contract to kill, which yeah. was terrible. But by by virtue of the fact that Seagal was actually present and involved, it just elevated it above so much of his previous stuff that I was just in awe of it. Uh, and uh, but this is just this has just blown my mind completely. Uh, this is you know unlike anything he's done for you know uh, well you know at A least long long time yeah at least yeah. like f- f- uh, almost almost fifteen twenty years. So. Um, there are some notable exceptions there. Uh, I'm coming at this from, you know, a very different perspective. So it's interesting to to get your perspective mm. on these problems, because I think everything that you're going to say you feel is a problem. I'm going to say I think that's a fantastic <laughs> element. Uh, so let's go into mm. a couple of those couple of okay. those problems. I, I don't know the real problems or not. Um, I, I think the first half of the film is very... It's like a misery fest. The first half of the film is just like all these stories about misery and hardship. You know, there's not a hell of a lot going on to begin with. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of characters who've been through a lot, shall we say. Um, it's that kid not talk. Well, you know, you, you feel like, so why this kid doesn't talk anything yeah I, I can see why he doesn't talk um and and this sort of things like that. the funniest part of the film is when this little kid comes running into the surgery saying you need to help my daddy's going to kill himself he's got a knife so he goes out there and he sort of talks him down you know but he doesn't actually solve anything <laughs> situation he just convinced him to drop the knife you know and then sort of goes well that's my job done i'm, I'm back to the surgery it's like well what, why was this guy trying to kill himself uh i'm, I'm sure well 
Can I can I just can I just tell you um, how those two things tie together? Come on. Is it it's the same kid. It's the mute kid who doesn't ever speak because his mother was uh-huh. murdered in front of him mm-hmm. and his dad became an alcoholic. And then he runs in right. screaming, my dad's going to kill himself. <laughs> and uh, all of a sudden can talk. Uh, and uh, that's, that's sort of like the payoff to the, that, the development of that earlier scene. Uh, I see. Even so, didn't actually solve didn't actually solve why he wanted to kill himself or anything like that or help him in any way. Um, just if, if anything, just prolonged his suffering on earth. Yeah. But there you go. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. There is a lot. I mean, this is not a film with a lot of plot. Uh, you know, the plot is threadbare, and a lot. Uh, you know, it's a lot of scenes a lot, and character a lot development of and yeah. atmosphere. Yeah. There's a lot of really nice visual directorial flourishes to this film, which we'll get into. Um, but it is a film of lots of different characters, you know, lots of different subplots going on. Uh, for example, there's a character called Chen Man, played by Su Wong Fan, who comes in, um, who runs a blues bar in the middle of... Uh, where where is this set again? Mong La. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, and is also a proponent of Wing Chun, and the, you know, had the same uh, master as uh, Seagal's character. Um, so, you know, there's time taken with that and sort of his own subplots as well uh, going on. Uh, people sort of, you know, one of his um, waitresses or, you know, one of these women working for him has ripped off one of the customers. Um, so he has to help out her as well. It, it, you know, there's there's a lot going on. It's a very very busy film, and in, all of these scenes sure. are not really integral to the plot in any way. No. It's just it's, it's just establishing them as yeah, yeah. as yeah. Yeah, their honor, the, the, their honorableness and and stuff is what it it's all about. Just uh, need to interject. This is written by Steven Seagal, so this is a, a very yeah. much a passion project of his. Uh, it's the third film that he's written, as far as I'm aware, as in exclusively uh he did born to raise hell which was a cop movie which ended up being made in romania but sort of drew on a lot of the experiences we saw uh him uh, talking about and doing in uh, the steven seagal lawman series yeah and also i like that i actually like that i mean it was uh that had darren chalavi as the yes. bad guy in it as well um but yeah as you, you're absolutely right he literally lifted whole police procedure you know <laughs> for, for, uh, and applied it to the film you know uh, which is which is kind of weird but um yeah no it was a pretty decent film and the anyway. other one was kill switch which i think was originally prince of pistols and then went under another couple of title changes that ended up being a bit of a butchered film uh you know you know pretty bad by all accounts but it did mm. try to it was him uh investigating a serial killer and it involved but he was bringing in like it was set in like louisiana or something so there was all the blues stuff that he loves and uh, isaac hayes was in there as well and it's it's not a good movie unfortunately but i can see what he was trying to do this one has turned out like he wanted it to i think Mm. more so than the others and the fact that he got um uh, matthew wessler uh french director who did the borderland on mm. board, you know, he's clearly a, a very, you know, very gifted uh, uh, visual director. Uh, and the I watched the Borderland after seeing this film, and mm. I can see that there's, there's some through lines and 
you know, similarities and stuff, but it's the visual aspect most of all that comes yeah. through. I think he's a very visual guy rather than necessarily so, storylines. I mean, I'm not going to talk much about the borderline, but there is one particular sequence where there are two fights going on and, you know, in the room above and below. And oh, the yeah. camera, the camera is sort of spinning slowly over and under both, you know, as if like it's it's getting between the floorboards and sort yeah. of going around. It is, you know, a real sort of technically accomplished um, sort of sequence. And the, the bit that sort of, um, you know, there was a couple of things. Some of the framing of the um, the shots are absolutely superb. The fact that the bad guy Cumon, um, you know, he, he can't go out in daylight. He can only see the color red. Um, you know, red and white, basically. Um, so that's how his house is direct, you know, is um, decorated. And there's a, there's a great shot of this huge sort of symbol, all done in sort of red against the white background, and it's just just really really nice. And then there's this sort of other bit which is really weird, where they're, they're sort of killing off a guy, and it's all played backwards. Um, so like you see his hand coming out of the mincer, you know. <laughs> It's the, where it's been sort of ch- churned around and then sort of like, you know, um, having his teeth put back into his mouth and his ring put back on his finger, yeah. which I thought was quite funny. Uh, very, very interesting shot. Yeah, very, uh, you know, very interesting scene. That was definitely something I think that um, the director, Weschler, wanted to put mm. into it. So it's again, it's another sequence that really doesn't need to be there. Uh, mm. Like a lot of the film, it's it's all, you know, padding to a certain extent but to me it's all those moments that just make the film really interesting i say especially coming to it from uh, you know suffering <laughs> for want of a better yeah. word as a fan for so many years to see a film so well made as this and uh, you know like you say no not really as much doubling or, mm. or anything in it you know the fight scenes are really good um i they think are. you'll agree yeah I, I do agree. I mean, there's there's two different sides to it. One is that uh, you know you've, you've got the character of Chen Ma. Um, what's his name again? Lost again. Sorry, Chen Chen Man, played by Lewis Fan. Um, he's really good, and he he gets some really good fight scenes. Seagal actually does fight. He actually has to put. You know, he's supposed to be a Wing Chun uh, master, so he has to show that he knows some Wing Chun. Otherwise, is you know the, the the film's dead in the water. Um, and he does. He's you know he, there's some really good scenes. Uh, I, th- I think there's a bit of influence from um, the film The Grand Masters um, in the way, you know, there's, there's a scene where he's with his his Sifu, and it looks like they're not doing much at all. This sort of pushing hands, sort of, you know, sort of flowing of of hands and motion. Um, and you think, well, that's not really kung fu, but they, you know, they're taking a lot out of it. Um, you know, they. they they, they, they're seeing things within those sort of movements that sort of, you know, the normal person isn't going to see. Uh, and that really comes across. It's that they sell it very well. Do you know who that guy is, uh, the, the master character? No. That's Fan Su Wong's dad. All right. In real life. Cool. Yeah, so that was kind of a pretty cool. He'd like basically retired, I think, and they yeah. brought him back in for the movie. And um, yeah, the everyone involved in it sort of seems to have got on really well. You know, Fan Su Wong uh, is mm. great. It's his first English language performance, although it's only partially. Um, I think it's important to mention here that a lot of the film is not in English, uh, mm. and uh, this was this is very similar to uh, Seagal's 2005 film uh, Into the Sun. I think it was 2005, uh, where he was in Japan uh, and uh, and Thailand, and a lot of the film was 
subtitle. Or, yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's Seagal is drawing on a lot of the movies that he's made before. Uh, so I think there are elements that he's either consciously or unconsciously tried to develop in other movies that he's brought them into this one. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, he's, he'd done a Kung Fu movie before with Tony Ching Sutong, uh, Belly of the Beast. Which mm. was which was quite a crazy film, uh, and uh, also made in Thailand. Also had supernatural elements. Uh, there was um, Ticker, the Albert Pugh oh, film, God. where he was he was putting himself as the sort of wise team leader. There was a scene where they go to a blues club and, and features Seagal playing the blues, which is again mm. another feature of this movie because he's not only a Wing Chun master, he's a Wing Chun master who plays the blues yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, in in, a, in an excellent sort of end credits. Uh, sequence see i don't know what that was i mean you know was that meant to be him still in character or was it like the after party rap show sort of like you know the after uh, it, was, it was it was weird i think you could take it either way couldn't you yeah. the um uh, i think i hadn't thought of it the way you've just expressed it it's it's the actors i mm. thought you know they're in the blues club playing the blues mm. you know they're all, everyone's dressed in character so uh, I think it's just another aspect mm. of because Seagal's character acts is a fictionalization of himself. You know, it's mm. you know Seagal always puts himself as the characters and he sort of imagines himself. It's like an, an idealized version, yeah. and you know he really does play the blues. I mean, in in this scene in the end, it's a life. And, and he's good, and he's got he's actually got a good singing voice. You know, it actually pulls up. I could see myself actually enjoying a concert with with um, <laughs> Steven Seagal. I think it'd actually be pretty decent. Well, he's been uh, doing it for like twenty plus years, you know, touring yeah. and stuff. So he's he's you know yeah. he's clearly doing something right. But the you no, know, if you can you can go all the way back to like on Deadly Ground, which was like his vanity yeah. project in nineteen ninety four. You know, there, that's a film where he's a, a guy who has visions mm. involving a naked woman, there's destiny, and he goes on a righteous mission. These are all elements that are in attrition as well. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, I could count, I could mention a dozen other movies. But for me, this is like the culmination, you know, where he's been doing mm. DTV stuff like Today You Die, where some of these elements were in there, but the whole movie was just a complete mess. Mm. This time it actually worked, you know, for me, it works, yeah, uh, and, it and it's a, a, a wonderful gift, uh, and it's a shame pretty much no one's going to ever watch it. <laughs> well, yeah. Because it's, it's, it's hidden away on a new streaming service that no one's interested in using. <laughs> it is, but I think it is it is it's destined for a DVD release at some point, isn't it, I think? Well, it's going to get a, a, a release through mm. the website mm. of, the, uh, of the of the service that it's on, whether it gets another DVD release, uh, you know, yeah. through, a, through a proper... I mean, it might be a, a, a DVD-R, you know, kind of release yeah. that, that we're going to get, but we don't know. The, um, the film is in, in some territories being released. I think it's like Final Mission in, like, Germany or something, uh, so it, or yeah. in some other territories. So it will be available elsewhere but time will tell as to you know whether it does i don't think it's gonna be a you know you, i in a certain sense this is a total comeback movie but it's not yeah. a comeback movie because no one's really noticing the comeback <laughs> uh. <laughs> indeed but it's um you know i, I just want to sort of end on, on the um sort of the climactic battles that go on which are just like incredibly brutal <laughs> you know um 
kind of like the debt collector in a way that um you know they just go for like proper blood squibs and things and um, it, it gets pretty messy doesn't it towards the end uh, which is uh, actually quite decent to see well here's the key thing is that it's a, it's it's a slow burn you know it's mm. character driven but they have to deliver on the action Seagal's usually a team leader in a lot of his movies so what does he do about you know a half part you know nearly nearly the end of the movie oh, he pulls he together his team, team. Together. Yeah. and so the the whole t- style and tone of the movie changes as we start mm. introducing these characters with like title cards and stuff and it's um, almost as if it's like it, maybe it was originally envisioned as a sort of series you know and they sort of truncated it as much as he could I don't know. Uh, don't know. The, um, but again, we've got you, you, it all st- sort of stems with a sitting down with the team, mm-hmm. right? This is what we're going to do. But then he lets one of the other characters actually do the Mission Impossible bit of saying how it's all going to roll out. Mm. Yeah. Uh, oh, and, which is, you know, quite a fun uh, scene. But the, yeah, that whole, I mean, I actually like the end less than the rest of it because yeah. that's all just kind of bang, 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 bang kind of stuff going on. I, um, well, that's the bit I was there for. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, I was, I was quite impressed with that, actually, and how far they went with it. Because uh, they, they walk up going... to these two guys and they just basically gun them down <laughs> yeah. straight away without actually saying anything. I was like, well, hang on a minute. <laughs> oh. But, you know, they were they were the um, the lackeys or the, um, the henchmen of the, of the bad guy who he lives in this isolated compound kind of thing, just happens to be in the back of a club. <laughs> so yeah, it's like, hang on a minute, a club? Yeah. <laughs> it is very strange. But, um, but there you go. Yeah, so what are we going to score? Attrition. Well, you know, I, th- I don't think my surprise score would be any surprise. It's a nine out of ten. I'm a bit more conservative. I'm going for a seven, but seven for a Seagal movie from someone who's, you know, um, not as ardent a fan as as Rich, who's been burned a few too many times by films like Sniper, Special Ops, and oh things. god, um, yeah. But um, yeah, this is, this is definitely a seven. It's, it's definitely worth checking out. So, yes, yeah, so, Rich, um, we watched this on a streaming service, a new streaming service called 365 Flicks. Is that right? Yes, it is. Uh, this yeah. is the premiere title of the of, of this new uh, service. Uh, they're basically only offering uh, one title a month. Uh, this would be the first one. And their, uh, their selling point to sort of encourage people to actually come to their service to rent or buy the film is that they will put you in, in touch with the star of the movie. So Seagal goes on group chat uh, once in a while, and anyone who's you know, purchased or rented, you know, rented the film can ask him a question. Now, I was very um, cynical about all this. You know, I was thinking, well, hang on a minute, that's, that's Twitter, isn't it? Uh, you know, that, you know that this is kind of a, an obvious, you know, not, not a particularly remarkable or innovative thing. But, um, and, you know, how do you know it's them, uh, basically? Is, uh, and, but in this case, it does actually turn out that it was him because there was a, the first uh, group chat that they call it that happened. Uh, I, wasn't in, I wasn't there, but they did uh, video, the, the, uh, the whole thing, and they released an edited video which showed Seagal answering the questions that were uh, for the, for the um, for the paying audience or whatever, were just yeah. on the screen. Uh, so that's pretty cool that they've done that. Uh, so it's good to know they're involved. What I think is uh, risky is that, that there's not really a, a long game plan 
visible at this point is that we don't really know what's going to happen next. What is the next film? You know, we've got no idea. Um, mm. We know that General Command, the Seagal's next project, which is uh, directed by um, Philip Martinez, who did Wake of Death, who was the producer mm. on Attrition. Uh, and funnily enough, uh, it owns uh, 365 Flicks, I believe. <laughs> so yeah. uh, if they're all going to be just his movies, uh, that's um, uh, that's going to be a curious kind of situation. So yeah. we'll have to see how it unfolds. They're reckoning they're going to be releasing two movies a month from the new year. Um, I'm, I've, I'm, as a fan... For me, this has worked out really well because Seagal is, you know, making videos, promoting, he's doing interviews, and, you know, he's clear, he's very engaged with the audience, which he's he rarely is. So that's exciting. Uh, I just, I hope that they can involve some other, you know, talent that are going to engage, you know, sure. a broader audience than this. Because I'll be honest, uh, I was on the group chat the other day. There were like 15 of us. You know, a, a service yeah. like this cannot you know, sustain with that level of engagement. Uh, and what they're doing is they're trying to incentivize the audience to promote the film on their behalf. So they're not actually marketing their, you know, to any degree, they're mm. not really marketing themselves. So that doesn't help. So the movie's there, it's sitting there. It's, it's almost like light under a bushel as far as I, I, I'm concerned. Um, yeah. So we'll, we will observe and wait and see what happens with 365 flicks. Mm. And whether or not we'll ever see the light of day of um, General Commander. Well, I think we will. I think it will either be next month or not. Do you know it was a TV series that they then decided yes. to make into a into a movie? I yes. think they, I think they, because having seen the footage or the really long sort of trailer that they released, I think they realised that it wasn't going to be any good, uh, no. and they decided, you know what, let's just end this before it gets messy, and uh, and then they'll sort of squeeze, you know. A, a turn it into a, a pretty uh, almost certainly to be a dodgy uh, 90 minute movie which Seagal is probably not going to be in very much um, if I'm you know, assuming correctly so yeah. we'll wait and see what happens after that really I think absolutely Our last review is Gangster. In this one, we have um, Adamo and his three friends who've known each other since childhood uh, trying to get into the drug dealer game um, despite his Uncle Farid's um, sort of better judgment. Um, he lets him get involved with a, a real live gangster called Orlando and uh, take over one of his shipments. Everything goes horribly wrong, but... Uh, they do manage to salvage some of the drugs for themselves and, and hit them hit the street with it. Um, they, they have a smattering of success, but it's not long before the consequences of their actions start to catch up with them. This is a very very fast and loose film, I guess. It's it's got a hell of a lot of swagger, a lot of style. Um, it's sort of driven by the sort of very hyperkinetic narrative. This sort of narration from Adamo, um, as he sort of learn about this, you know, this tight knit group of friends and the stupid mistakes they make and the, the stupid little situations they get themselves into. Um, the, the directors of this are tipped to be big, big Hollywood names very soon. Um, but so Rich, what did you make of Gangster? There's a hell of a lot of spitting in this film, isn't there? Yeah, that's a weird <laughs> thing. It's, you know, it's, it's, I mean, 
it seems to be just one of those sort of things people do, just spitting on the sidewalk and that, and then he spit on the cops and all the rest of it. It's, it's weird, you know, weird, weird sort of cultural thing. Or at least where he's from or what his yeah. character is. Basically, like a lot of these, you know, young gangster kind of movies, mm. the characters are mostly unlikable, but it's all, it's, I think, yeah, you're right. It's, um, these guys are uh, Adil and Bilal, mm. uh, the directors, uh, they are tipped for, you know, the, well, it was even confirmed this week that Bad Boys for Life is going to be happening yeah. with them at the helm. Uh, and it's easy to see why, because, you know, the, the movie looks great. It is basically a, uh, what would you say, like a, a Fast and the Furious kind of aesthetic. Mm. It's, it's kind of like, it's, it's Goodfellas told by the Fast and Furious gang, basically, isn't it? It's, yeah. It's, it's that sort of thing. There were two yeah. other things that came to mind when I was watching it. I was, uh, I was thinking it's like, uh, or train spotting. Hmm directed by Tony Scott or something like that, you know, because it's got that really fast, very slick visuals kind of thing that Tony Scott would do, but it's got this down and dirty theme and the drugs and, and, the, and the characters are like almost caricatures and that, but there's, you, you don't like them, but you kind of like them at times. And there's a lot, I think there's a lot going on here and that mm. makes it a very, I mean, I really liked it. Uh, I, I mean, I didn't like the characters a huge amount, but I did like the film. I thought it was, um, Incredibly stylish. I love the sort of restrained visual tricks that they throw in, like some computer graphics here and there. Yeah. There's a weird thing that they, they do with the the Colombian um, gangsters, <laughs> yeah. where they put, you know, the masks over their yeah. eyes. They put put the little black marks over the eyes so you can't recognise them. Yeah, so, 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 as, really as, if, as if it's like a, a documentary, and they've yeah. got to protect their identities or mm. something. So there's little weird touches. Um, mm. Said the whole Fast and Furious. I like. The, the, I thought the plot was good and fun, and the yeah. There's not really a lot to say. There's a there's a nice little fake out thing they do towards the end of the movie, which I thought that was really was, that was class. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that was really really well done because you know it was just that like I was watching on the computer and I just happened to sort of flick my eyes down and you know to the to the sort of bar that runs along the the bottom to show you how far the movie's got. I'm thinking. But it looks like there's another 20 minutes to go, and they're already on the credits. How long are these credits? You know, it's really, really bizarre. But yeah, that that was a really good. That that was sort of worthy of something like Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. You know, that um that, that little bit. The the color scheme absolutely superb. You know, lots of neon going on. Lots of you know. Um, I, I loved. You know, the some of the actors are absolutely superb. The guy who plays Farid, the um, the uncle. Um, Thought he he was superb. The guy who plays Orlando as well. The um you know the real drug dealer, the real deal guy. Um he he was really good as well. Um yeah no just absolutely superb. The there was I I don't know I don't know how the humour would play in somewhere like Belgium. I don't know, you know some some of it's a bit broad like the whole thing with the um you know the which character is that? I think it's Vault who tries to cause a diversion when they go to pick up the drugs from the um, from the dock side. Yeah. He, try, he tries to pull the um, you know the lamppost over and ends up ripping off the the bumper. Yeah. You know, I don't know if that's meant to be like a big laugh in Belgium or something, but it was pretty obvious when when he sort of set it up. But yeah, no, it's just I mean, there's a lot of characters going on, but you never sort of you know worried about who was who and all, everything like that. And You've got all the crooked cops and everything yeah, yeah. coming after him. Hmm. That was um, it's really uh, the other thing that I thought was it was it was very interesting culturally because I've I've never it I never it never occurred to me that in 
Belgium, they would be speaking Flemish. And, and, yeah. and, and it was, uh, I, I ended up looking up and it was like, oh, okay, um, Belgium's got like three, three, yeah, like, three main languages. Yeah, French, French la- and English. Yeah, because the last Belgian stuff I saw was like JCVD and that, and it, they were mm. all speaking French. So, yeah, it's like on the borders and stuff, and they've got the, all the sort of cultural diversity and the different languages and mm. the, the sort of uh, the drugs and everything. Yeah, so it was, a, it was a very interesting sort of counterpoint to any of the other sort of uh, films made in that, in that area. Mm. There was one one bit I thought was quite funny was when um, sort of Orlando turns up and he's sort of saying like so, somebody's ripping me off and you know he's, and they sort of go well it's not me and everything and like it's sort of Amado's friends are out the back or outside the shop in, in a brand new sports car going hey everyone hey, <laughs> look what we <laughs> <laughs> he's like no no go away go away yeah. oh that was quite good and it, it's interesting you know it's 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 quite a light film in 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 its tone up to a certain point yeah. You know, even when they're sort of getting chased by the cops and things like that, and and, and you realise just how bad the cops are in this sort of situation. Um, but it, but there comes a point where the film just turns on a dime and everything becomes mega serious. You know, um, it's like the guys go away to, to holiday in Morocco, don't they, or something? Mm. And some, something happens in Morocco. I can't remember what it is, um, but they get on the wrong side of a drug gang in there. And then it's course, like the biggest coincidence ever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They meet this bad guy, then when they go back, it's mm. the same bad guy who's going to meet with the other guy. Yeah, so but, it gets all but, caught but up it, and gets crazy. Does, yeah, exactly. Crazy is exactly what happens. Because you get this montage, which, yeah, it wouldn't be out of place in a Tarantino or a De Palma movie. You know, it was really full of... They say, like, oh, yeah, about 20-odd 20, 20 people get killed, you know, in this sort of drug war. And, and we get to see every single one of them, you know, in, in succession. It's um, it's, it's a pretty violent... You know, it's, it's like something out of Casino, basically. It's, it's, it's that sort of, like, full-on. And then, you know, having sort of witnessed that, when, when the gang themselves are sort of rounded up... For, in the finale, you're thinking, right, this, this is going to be a really grim ending <laughs> this way. It's going to be pretty bad. So, yeah, no, it was, it was really well done. So what are you going to score it, Mike? Um, I, I think it's got to be an eight, I, I think, overall. Yeah, this is, you know, it's very stylish, very well acted. Um, really like the, the soundtrack that went with it. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I, I just thought everything sort of clicked with it. I mean, you know, story-wise, as you say, We've kind of seen this sort of thing before. Oh, and, and, times, and, yeah. And, and even at the beginning, there's a, there's a sort of thing that comes up saying, kind of based on some real shit. <laughs> you know? yeah. So, yeah, kind of, I'm sure. But, um, yeah, no, it was, it was very good. So, so definitely an eight. Yeah, and I'll give it an eight as well. So, don't forget to check out all our films this week, which is uh, The Final Score, Vengeance, Attrition, and Gangster, all available right now. to the DTV Digest. Let us know your thoughts in the comments and tune in again next time.